you caught up on everything from the past couple of weeks since our last recording let us start in the nba because we got nba playoff action going on okay so when we left off we had a game six and a game seven left to be played of a clippers and mavericks series And the Mavericks were up 3-2. Now, in game six that night, right after we recorded, Kawhi Leonard went off for 45 points, and the Clippers tied the series up at three, leading to a game seven on Sunday, where despite Luka Doncic's efforts of 46 points and 14 assists and playing nearly every minute, the Clippers were victorious and moved on and eliminated the Mavericks for the second straight year in the first round. Ben, what did you make of the conclusion of this series? I know it's been a while. Yeah, uh, I think it's just a disappointing season for Dallas. You know, they had the Clippers essentially right where they wanted them, and the Clippers did something that they haven't done, frankly, at all. And that is actually step up for their game when it actually mattered. Uh, last year, they needed to step it up in one game and being up three to one and couldn't get the job done. And I thought, you know, what's the reason to expect anything different from this year's Clippers team? And credit to the Clippers, they actually stepped it up, won the last two games. So, uh, it, it, Dallas is going to find themselves in very similar situations as a lot of franchises tend to do, and that's they get a star and they're satisfied. And I think they're going to waste Lucas' career if they don't give him a two here real quick. Yeah, I will say I was very disappointed. I was uh, I like Luca, and I was hoping that he'd be able to knock off the Clippers. Um, and... I will say Luca has been phenomenal in his uh, 13 playoff games thus far. He's averaging nearly a 35-point triple-double. And those games have all come against this Clippers team where he's got Kawhi and Paul George guarding him. Um, I I agree with you. If if Dallas – Dallas had Dirk Nowitzki, and they never got him a number two his whole career. Um, And so I'm hoping that the idea would be that they are able to find Luka a number two relatively quickly and to be able to capitalize on his career that is looking like it's going to be a Hall of Fame one here pretty soon. Um, Yeah, I had no faith in the Clippers. I – 
I thought they're an underachieving team. I thought they were worse than last year, and they managed to win both game six and seven. And so game seven was the first game that the home team won in that series, which was a first for the NBA. Never before had six games of a series gone through and all road team wins. Um, that's, that's maybe the most disappointing part is Dallas not being able to get one game at home, which would have sealed the series. Cause if you told me in a series, uh, that you win three games on the road, the assumption would be that you therefore won the series. Yeah. Uh, you, you would, you really would think that, but I don't know why no team wanted to play well at home. It's almost as if they enjoyed playing on the road uh, in a environment where it's kind of like, they know it's hostile. And so it's like, they don't care really. They don't care about the momentum of the game. They're just out there to do a job. Whereas if you're the home team, you like to feed off the crowd's energy and it's almost as if, yeah, no, we'll just, we'll just go with the flow of the game. So I think home field advantage was kind of taken out in that regard. Um, so moving into the second round of the playoffs, you had the 76ers match up with the Atlanta Hawks. Now game one went to the Atlanta Hawks in a close one. Um, Embiid had 39 points, but Trey young had 35 and 10 assists. Um, so the Hawks snuck one out in Philly in game one, kind of put everyone on notice. Game two, 76ers came out of it. Embiid had 40 points and 13 rebounds. Game three, the 76ers also had it. And game four, the Hawks came back with, from a big deficit and, and won in the final seconds to tie the series up at 2-2 when it looked like uh, the series was going to be uh, – three one pretty quick i'm pretty sure this was the game that i watched the first half and i think i ended up turning it off because the uh or no this was the next game in game five the hawks won this game i watched the first half turned it off because 76ers were up 26 points and i checked back in and there were seven minutes left and they were up 15 and so I didn't go to it. And next thing I knew, I was getting a bunch of uh, tweets and stuff because the Hawks were all of a sudden up three with under a minute left. Um, and the Hawks pulled that one up to go, pulled that one out to go up three, two. Then the 76ers got game six. And then last night was game seven. And the Hawks pulled it off and beat Philly in the final seconds again. And the Hawks are going to be advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. Joel Embiid was questionable for the series, and I thought the Hawks had a chance uh, to win the series if Embiid does not go. I had uh, originally had Hawks in six with no Embiid, but with the way Embiid was playing, I thought the 76ers were ultimately going to win the series, especially after game three. After game three, I'm like, okay, I'm out. Like, 76ers are winning this series. And then the Hawks just kept on fighting. I got to you, you really got to give the respect to Trey young and that Atlanta Hawks team. They really just kept on fighting in the series. The Sixers essentially would get complacent or they would melt down. 
they the Hawks had a strategy to go after uh, Simmons and Simmons didn't want any part of that. So lots of different things contributed in the series. Um, I will say the Atlanta Falcons have got have got to give a lot of uh, no. I'm I'm actually talking to the Falcons here. The Atlanta Falcons got to give a whole lot of thanks to the Hawks for making Atlanta on the right side of a 25 point comeback. Oh, oh, ouch, Ben. That's too soon. <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah. Atlanta. All is good and well. Let's talk about the real story here, Ben. The 76ers collapsed. They're the number one seed. Their fans have been hearing for 10 years about this process. The Doc Rivers, for how well-respected he is, has yet again underachieved in the playoffs, blowing a big lead in game four. He blew a big lead in game five. Um, Just completely uh, to a very much this – give the Hawks their credit, but they're very overachieving team right now. This is, this team was not near the same caliber of team that the 76ers are and the 76ers completely collapsed in this series. Um, Ben Simmons is a topic of conversation. The only person that's not the only person that's coming out of this kind of unscathed for the most part is Joel Embiid because for six of the seven games, he looked like MVP Joel Embiid. Um, Ben Simmons is getting some flack. Doc Rivers is getting flack. The front office is getting flack. The, the, the team as a whole, I mean, Tobias Harris is getting paid a lot of money to not do a whole lot. The, the the only person that was injured on Philadelphia is Danny Green. They're essentially the healthiest team of all the teams left in the playoffs. I don't know what to make of this. I mean, Philly fans into game seven last night, they were throwing trash on the ground. They are over it. They are done with the 76ers. I don't know what to make of this team. I don't know what their future is. I don't like people were talking about trading Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum, which is, uh, I guess it's a, it's definitely a step down from at the beginning of the year when it was, maybe we trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. Um, but I don't know, Ben, what, what do you think the, the future looks like here for the 76ers now that they've underachieved and collapsed once again, early in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think Simmons is gone. Um, I, I really do. You know, you, I think ownership and front office workers are going to see the way Ben Simmons performed in that playoffs and they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed by what just happened. You know, I was honestly embarrassed for Ben Simmons. Like there were a couple of times he had the ball right under the hoop and I'm like, just, just, just put it in. And then he'd pass it to someone else who would try to dunk it and then they would miss it. And I'm like, Oh, this is what people are talking about. Uh, it, it was it was very frustrating watching Ben Simmons play. So I think he's gone. I can't imagine what team actually wants to give up a good piece of their franchise for him. Like I get it, he's still a good defensive player and whatnot. But I I think Ben Simmons has a lot going on up in his head that is affecting him as a player. 
And I'm not sure a whole lot of organizations want to, you know, give a valuable, give a valuable player for Ben Simmons. Uh, I will say this Simmons. I don't understand the um, Simmons took zero shots in the fourth quarter of games, four, five, six, and seven. He took very few shots overall period. There was one game I looked and he had four shots attempted. Um, I don't know why he can't shoot from outside of five feet. And I don't know why he can't get inside five feet with, he's a six ten guy. I mean, he's a large human um, on 2k. I absolutely demolish with him. It's amazing. But I don't know why none of that can transfer over to the to the to real life. Um, he he. I still think he should have been defensive player of the year this year. He's an excellent defensive piece, um, and he's a great facilitator. I mean, he might overpass at this point, but he is good at setting up the offense handling the ball and facilitating the offense. I think it gets very difficult when you pair him. I think, I think there are a few people in the league that would be very difficult to pair him with. I think Embiid's one of those people. I think Embiid, it would be tough to pair with Simmons. Giannis would be tough to pair with Simmons. Zion would be tough to pair with Simmons because I think unless you have four guys who can move and shoot, like Embiid's in the lane and Simmons is in the lane and it's just clogging everything up. Like Embiid essentially gets an automatic double team because the guy guarding Simmons doesn't have to pick him up until the free throw line. Um, I think, I think there is a lot of value left in Ben Simmons. I think he can play a Draymond green type of role where, you know, he's kind of a point forward He's a great defensive player on the other end. He can guard the other team's best guard. Um, I mean, Trey Young had his worst. I mean, he was three of 25 of 23, three of 23 last night. I mean, terrible shooting night. He had Ben Simmons on him. He just, he's an over, he's an overqualified defender for a point guard in this league. Um, so I could see a team getting up something for him. I just don't know how much you can get right now his stock is so low like at the beginning of the year you could have sold high and get someone like james harden now you're looking at maybe getting cj mccollum who you know he's good (laughs) but you know i don't know and i don't know how well simmons works in portland i don't know if that actually if that helps the damian lillard situation or not um so it is interesting. I'm really, I'm, it boggles my mind why Doc, I, I get that Doc Rivers is liked in the locker room, but at this point, he just has shown that he can't win anything. Or he can up until it's time to close it out and then he blows it. <laughs> like they were up 26 points. They were up 18 points in game four. They lost both those games. They His team's just, come out and they get leads and then they blow them. They're up two one in the series. He blows the two one. He's blown three, three ones. I don't understand how doc rivers is still giving, getting 
good jobs in the NBA. Like it'd be one thing if he was getting like the magic job, but to get, you know, he went from the Boston Celtics to the Clippers to the Sixers. Like, I don't, I don't think, I think he's, I don't know. I don't think he can help take a team all the way to the championship. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I s- a- agree with what you're saying because even I think Paul George was the one who complained about it last year saying that doc rivers doesn't make adjustments. I think doc rivers as a coach, he's got a good philosophy and you know what he coaches works. However, if what he's doing is not working, he's not going to adjust. He says, make it work. Like, and so, you know, we're seeing that with the Clippers, the Clippers who have gotten in tough situations, they've actually been able to get themselves out of due to um, making adjustments and proper coaching. Whereas the 76ers, once the Hawks figure them out, it's, okay, now we can beat you and you're not going to change any way of your coaching. Yeah. And with that, let's move over to the Western Conference for the one seed matchup over there. It was the Jazz and the Clippers. Um, The Jazz took the first two games. Donovan Mitchell had 45 points in game one. The Clippers then destroyed the Jazz in game three excuse me, when Kawhi and Paul George went for 65 points. Now, here's a stat that kind of blew my mind, Ben. Get ready. The Clippers are 5-0 and when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both score 30-plus. Say it ain't so. What do you mean? Uh, I mean, is that is that really that shocking? It's shocking to me because they're 5 and 0. Oh. Wait a minute, you're telling me there's only 5 times both those guys have scored 30 points or more? Like they're supposed to be the d- best duo in the league. I thought you'd at least have to have a sample size of I don't know 20 games in 2 years. <laughs> See, that that's not the way I was looking at. I was looking at Oh yeah, when they both score over 30, they're undefeated. Yeah, that's not no, that shocking. That, no, yeah, that makes sense to me. But why is there only five games when that's the case? In two years. <laughs> that is what's mind-blowing to me. These guys are supposed to be number one duo in the league. They got five games in two years where they both scored 30 points and they're primarily offensive scoring players. <laughs> I, I was shocked. <laughs> uh, anyway, game four, Clippers blew them out again. Then Kawhi out. Something with his knee. Might miss the rest of the series. We know for sure he's missing game five. Well, guess what? The Clippers without Kawhi came out, and Paul George said, screw you, everybody. I'm going to get 37, 16, and five, and we're going to beat the Jazz at full strength. But except, mate, I think Conley might have been back then. Anyway, we don't have Kawhi. doesn't matter. We're taking game five in a 3-2 lead. Game six comes in. Get ready for this one, Ben. The Jazz are trying to tie this series up at game six. They've got a 25-point lead in the first half. 
And the second half, it continues and it slowly trickles down. And all of a sudden, the Clippers are winning the game at the end of the day, even without Kawhi Leonard. Paul George had 28 more points. Uh, Terrence Mann came off the bench and got 39 in one of the best games a role player has ever played. And Reggie Jackson threw in 27 of his own. So the Clippers advance for the first time in their 50-year history to the Western Conference Finals. What do you make of that? Uh, yeah, it was pretty shocking. Um, I'm not going to lie. I saw the Clippers kind of taking that. or I didn't really see it. I wasn't really surprised when the Clippers took the very first game. Um, a lot of times, you know, when you have a major player go down like that, you generally see a good step up from other players uh, like Paul George. But then in game seven, I was looking for a regress. You know, you know, they start going back to how they originally were. And then I expected the Jazz to end up winning game seven. Or no, not seven, game six. That's what I'm sorry. I expected the Jazz to win game six. And that just didn't happen. And on that comeback. Well, it happened in the first half. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, about that comeback, like, I wasn't watching the game, but I was following it on my phone. You knew by the end of the third quarter the Clippers were going to win the game. Like, they hadn't taken the lead yet, but they were on the heels of the Jazz up at the end of the third quarter, and the Jazz had just simply no answer. I remember it was like a 19-2 to run to end the third quarter or something like that. Like, it was ridiculous. And I don't know. I think the Jazz, they they were just gassed. Like, okay, that was unintentional, I promise. Um, but, yeah, they were just – they had nothing left. Well, it's, it's funny you say that the Jazz had no answer – because supposedly they have a three-time defensive player of the year who also won it this year in Rudy Gobert, and he was rendered quite useless against the Clippers. And it's not the first time in the playoffs where Rudy Gobert has been rendered to have no effect at all on the defensive end on the floor. As a matter of fact, they have people match up with him to go at him. What defensive player of the year do other teams strategize going against to expose? This, I, Rudy Gobert makes no sense to me. The I think we need to take a long, hard look at the analytics we use and the decisions we make as to who the defensive player of the year is. Because Rudy Gobert is a, in a rare class. He's three-time defensive player of the year. I think he's won it two, two years in a row. He's uh, he's a – I mean, I get he's a big guy, big wingspan. He's great inside protector. But there have been multiple times in his career where teams have purposefully gone at him individually – on the defensive end of the floor and exposed him and used it to beat Jack, beat the jazz in their playoff games. They get outscored by 40, 50, 20 points by other teams. And everyone says, Oh, they just had a great offensive night. There's a defensive player of the year on the floor. They should never have a great offensive night against the defensive player of the year. It's no less a three time one. 
I don't understand. The metrics tell you that Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player anyone's ever seen in the history of basketball. I don't know what metrics you're using, but I think they should not count anymore because if those are saying he's the best defensive player in basketball and teams are purposefully game planning ways to go against him, it makes no sense why he would be that great of a defender. I'm, I'm sorry, but this just annoys me. Rudy, because Rudy Gobert doesn't put up great numbers in any aspect. He's not a good offensive player. He's a good big guy to have. He's a great rebounder. He's a good defender, but a three-time defensive player of the year who consistently is not good defensively when it counts makes no sense to me. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree with you. Because, like, they allowed a bench player to score 39 points. And if you watch some of his highlights, he was left wide open for, like, several seconds to just be able to pull up a shot. Like, I'm like, are you really going to let him just shoot wide open like that? Mm -hmm. And it it was just – you want to know what's even – it's funnier? That game six – Man had 39 points. Game one with the Suns and Clippers, man had nine points. Yeah. I mean, there was no excuse for Tyler Mann to have the night that he did. Now, can Tyler Mann have a decent night where he gets maybe 20? Sure. I mean, if that's the game plan. But 39 points, like shooting wide open threes – Surely you can have some defensive answer for him. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. So, well, I get it in a sense that I thought the Jazz were pretenders all year long, and it proves that they are here. But, <laughs> but other than that, I don't get it. Um, and the other series in the West, you had the Suns, the Nuggets. Not much to say about this one. The Suns dominated four game sweep after game two coach Mike Malone just completely roasted his team at the press conference. Uh, Jokic officially won the MVP in game at game three was presented with the award. And then in game four, the elimination game, Jokic got ejected in the third quarter and on the nuggets path to getting swept. Um, Chris Paul in this series, I think, I think this series was a personal mission for Chris Paul because granted a lot of, a lot of players that were eligible for MVP got injured this year. And so were rendered ineligible, which is why Joker ended up with the award. But I personally thought that Chris Paul probably deserved the award just because of the impact he had on the Suns. The Suns, prior to Chris Paul getting there, were a 23-win team. And Chris Paul comes in, and they're a two-seed on their way to the Western Conference Finals. Um, In this series, Chris Paul averaged 26 points, 10 assists, and 5 rebounds. He did it on 63% shooting, 75% 75% from three and a hundred percent from the free throw line. He had more steals than turnovers as a point guard who handles the ball primarily. 
This was nearly a perfect series by a player in Chris Paul's position. Yeah, uh, this one, like this one right from the get-go, I like the Suns to sweep it here. Like Chris Paul had a lot more time to, you know, he's he's probably a lot more healthy. He was highly motivated because he wasn't even nominated for the MVP. And people people might say, oh, well, it's a it, – this." The Suns, they just needed that one extra piece. It's not like Chris Paul completely changed. No, 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 no. Chris Paul changed the team, okay? He's not the best player on the Suns, but he is the most valuable player on the Suns because every team he goes to, that team improves in terms of work ethic. They're a lot more polished, and they win games. He took a tanking Suns team to the playoffs. Thunder. 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 Thunder, sorry. But yeah, he took a tanking Thunder team to the playoffs. This year, he took a team who missed the playoffs, didn't really do much different. All they did was add Chris Paul. And I guess you could say Crowder, but, like, how much does he really factor into that? <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're the Western Conference Finals, favored to win the Conference Finals. Yeah, I I was I ever since so once you know MB LeBron Durant like they all went down, Harden went down, you know everyone was injured and missed time. Once everyone had missed time and you were looking at who's left, Chris Paul to me was the clear choice, and he still couldn't be nominated. Yeah, one one thing I do want to point out: Game Three the Nuggets were actually favored to win. And it was the easiest bet I ever made in my life. I doubled my entire uh, bank account that night. I mean, it was easy. It was plus money. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Well, we got one more series from the East, Ben. And that is the Nets and the Bucks, which to some might be considered the finals. Um, you got game one went to the Nets very easily, I might add. They just completely destroyed Milwaukee. Although James Harden did hurt his hamstring 45 seconds into it and was out for the rest of the game and was immediately out for game two. Game two was also a huge blowout for the Nets. They won by 39 points, being up by 49 at one point in the game. Uh, So at that point, everyone was saying this series is a joke or Milwaukee is a joke. Game three the Bucks won 86 to 83. So the the Bucks won a tough one there. Uh, I think the Nets had an off offensive night. Obviously, they only had 83 points. Um, it was a very much a grinded out game in Milwaukee, and the Bucks were able to squeeze it out. In the game four, the Bucks blew out the Nets. Uh, Kyrie got injured when he landed on Giannis's foot. Uh, after going for a layup um, and the x-rays came back, but he went undergo further testing. He would not return in the series. 
So game five, it's looking like it's Kevin Durant versus the Bucks. James Harden did come back and play 44 minutes on a on that bad hamstring. But Durant came in, he played all 48. He had a performance of a lifetime. 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists. That's the only time that's ever been done. Uh, it, I mean, they were talking about, I think he was on a list with four players that had 40, 15, and 10. Um, and and so he ended up with 49, 17, and 10. It was an all-time great performance to try and push him into the Mount Rushmore uh, of people in his position. Um the uh yeah he's the first player with 45 15 and 10 the the bucks just collapsed in this game i'm not sure what happened to milwaukee um you had harden play 44 minutes on a bad hamstring they not once decided that they were going to target him defensively um Giannis was shooting fadeaways over him instead of driving past him wasn't quite sure what was going on there and there was no answer for Kevin Durant, although they didn't really try to have much of an answer. They never double-teamed him. Um, they just kind of let him do what he wanted to. So the Nets were able to pull out that one, take a 3-2 lead in the series. Then they head back to Milwaukee, and Chris Middleton played similar to Durant. He had 38-10-5, and and Milwaukee was able to pull out a Game 6 win uh, over, over the Nets. And then... In game seven, it was an intense game in Brooklyn, okay? The refs wanted Brooklyn to win, and you could tell it from the start. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton wanted the wanted the Nets to win, and you could tell it from the start. They ended up going a combined – let me get the exact number here because it is bothersome, to say the least. It was – let's see – uh saturday and it was a combined total of 14 for 49 from the field for drew holiday and chris middleton chris middleton who's a supposed all-star who has a history of not being able to perform well on the road and drew holiday who the Bucks brought in for four first-round picks, amongst other things, to try and get that last piece you needed with Giannis to be able to win a championship. And they win a combined 14 of 49. That is atrocious, folks. Drew Holiday was 2 of 9 from 3 in this game. He was 1 of 10 in the game before. Absolutely disgusting. Giannis, on the other hand, had 40, 13, and 5 on 15 and 24 shooting. Durant, on the other hand, countered him. He had 48, 9, and 6. Uh, and uh, uh, Harden added in 22, despite only being 5 of 17. This game was so back and forth. It was so frustrating to watch as you just kept watching Holiday and Milton throw up shots. They were 14 to 49. That means they missed 35 shots. 
Do you know how obnoxious of a basketball game it is to watch two guys miss 35 shots? It's, uh, I, and throw in the fact that if you're James Harden or Kevin Durant, all you got to do is throw your head back and the rest would call a foul for you. No problem. This game came right down to the wire. It was 109-107 Milwaukee Bucks with eight seconds left. Brooke Lopez did not know out of a timeout that there were two seconds left on the shot clock. He got the ball inbounds, and he tried to pass it, not shoot it. So that left six seconds for the Nets. Kevin Durant worked his magic and hit a phenomenal shot to tie it at 109. So phenomenal, in fact, here's a little known fact. Kevin Durant is a size 17 shoe. He wears size 18, though, to play basketball because he likes the feel better. Well, if Kevin Durant would have wore a size 17 shoe, he that shot he took may have counted for a three, and they would have won the game right there. But instead, it's a tie game. We go to overtime. Not much happens in overtime until the last minute and a half when Milwaukee is able to pull it out 115 to 111 to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals and send the Brooklyn Nets home. Ben, this was a very, very, very good series. Maybe the equivalent to what will be the actual NBA Finals. What do you make of this? See, I think it was an exciting series. I don't think it was necessarily a good series. I didn't think we saw a lot of best on best. We saw two teams who we expect to perform absolutely stellar in multiple times they let us down that's true that's fair yeah and so it's like like the the way the bucks play those first two games you're just like oh dear this is the team that was favored to win the finals and then like then the nets go down you're like oh well that's why the bucks are winning it's because all these nets players are going down i will admit i not that i enjoy game five but i i gotta give game five is probably the best game of the series to watch because yeah. it's like game seven you could make an argument for it because of how of the high drum and intensity of it but you know with the officials not being at their best and then uh the bucks not playing at their best outside of Giannis, you know i think game five was probably the best game of that so i feel like Yes, it went seven games. Yes, it was two teams that are favored to win the finals. Did the performance live up to the hype? No. But did it eventually live up to the hype in itself? Yes. If that makes any sort of sense. I mean it, it doesn't really, but I see what you're saying. <laughs> and um and uh I would agree. I think I think it, here's the thing with NBA series these days is a lot of times the best series only really have two or three good games. Uh, for instance, the, 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 the Cavaliers series and the Warriors series in 2016, when the Cavaliers came back from three, one, the first five games, five or six games of that series were not good games. They were three blowouts for the Warriors and three blowouts for the Cavs. Um, and then game seven was an incredible game. And everyone remembers that as a great series. Now, throw in some great performances by LeBron and Kyrie and 
and uh and and so you, you get game six and game five were also pretty good just because of what we were watching but you um you you know you get one good really good game in a series and everyone remembers it as a great series because that was a great game um because i think a lot of what it comes down to now is did the team hit the threes or not if they hit their threes they blew them out whichever team hit their threes blew the other team out um and so milwaukee was (laughs) a top three-point shooting team in the league this year and they shot the three horrible in this series they had maybe two games where they shot it well um i also want to throw in the what the the um oh what is it what do you put on a uh like if you cut your arm or something what do you put on it like a bandage yeah like a bandage like a wrap. Or, uh, what like a wrap yeah like like, you, you wrap oh, it up but there's like something like a bandage and like neosporin or something, you know. And, oh. And and you, and you put you put that on it, you know how like. So like disinfectant. Yeah, like like winning is like the Deadpool of of wounds. Like they just heal instantly themselves. Like it's a self healing like. If the Bucks lose this game, do you know what happens in Milwaukee right now? Bud's fired. They're trading someone. They're moving off of the someone in the front office is fired. Da, 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 da. They win. Oh, well, now we might win the finals. Everything's all good. We're just gonna forget that Budenholzer can't coach. Like <laughs> it's it's absolutely ridiculous how much of a of a healing factor that the winning provides to a team. Uh, no matter how many scars it takes, like Brooklyn's now, like if Brooklyn wins that series, they think they are unstoppable because they had Kyrie and Harden go down and they still won that series against the Bucks. Now it's like, well, I don't know. Can we do it? I, I mean, we come back, we'll be better next year, but maybe Nash needs to go. Like maybe, you know, it's, it's losing and winning have such an effect on the outcomes of what teams do in the off season. It's amazing. And in the moment, you go, well, that wasn't that great either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, all, any reason to bring the Pacers up into this? You know, last year, Pacers overreacted to a loss. Well, and- hold on, hold on. I want to be fair here. Nate McMillan had lost three years in a row being swept in the first round. Okay, he was swept in two of them, okay? He was swept in two of them. Took LeBron James seven in the first one. And in the last two, his best player of that year was out of the series. So, like, I I think he gets a pass for that. make your point. Anyway, so essentially, they fired Nate as an overreaction, and now Nate McMillan's playing for an Eastern Conference Finals with his new team. So, that... Yeah, so I think it goes both ways. If you win, oh, it solves all the problems. Well, no, it doesn't. If you have a problem, you still need to address it and you still need to fix it. If you lose, oh, well, now we need to get rid of all these pieces. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe we just had some unfortunate luck, you know? Like, maybe if we go at it again next year, just make some minor adjustments, we'll be fine. And so 
yeah, teams, the NBA just needs to like relax, you know, on making their decisions, which is what I'll, you know, give credit to the Pacers to this past year. I thought they should have fired their coach immediately after the performance that he had this year, but no, they waited. They took their sweet old time. And I guess I can respect them for that. (laughs) They learned from their past mistakes. They didn't immediately fire him. They took a good three weeks to think about it. (laughs) Well, I wish they would have taken a good three weeks to think about firing McMillan, but Hey, (laughs) well, Ben, we've gotten in game one of the conference finals, Suns and Clippers here. This was a great game. Chris Paul's out on uh, health and safety protocols for COVID. Kawhi is also still out because of that knee. So, you know, say what you will. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think this game is, uh, or these teams are necessarily like one has an advantage right now, given that each team's best or most important player is out of the series. Um, But, Game one was thoroughly entertaining. Paul George again performed very well. However, in Chris Paul's absence, Devin Booker said, hey, we're in the conference finals. I'm going to get my first career triple-double. And he had 40 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists in a great, great performance by the young superstar coming in, realizing the moment, and taking advantage of it. The Suns absolutely – it never felt like the Suns were out of that game or out of control of it, um, regardless of how close the score was. And the Suns end up pulling it out. The Suns are now up 1-0 in the series. Uh, they play again tomorrow night, and then the Bucks and the Hawks will start on Wednesday. Um, ben, what what do you foresee in these series? Yeah, uh, I just got to say, that was probably the most entertaining game one of the of the playoffs really like am i missing anything i thought that was pretty impressive uh, game one um, of the 76ers hawks game was pretty good um well it, it kind of it was kind I, of a blowout for the most part um i would say i'm trying to remember game one of the the mavericks and clippers was was good yeah um but yeah, I mean, as far as game ones go, yeah, that that was a really good game one. You would you if that's like a game seven performance, man, I'll take that every single time. Like that was a just a phenomenal <laughs> game. Um, yeah, I think the Suns have pretty much gotten the series because of that win. I think the Clippers really need to take advantage of Chris Paul being out for the first or for one to two games because if they're not going to be able to take advantage well, it of might Chris be. Paul. Do you know how long I, – I, sorry to interrupt you. Do you know how long he's going to be out? Because I haven't heard any official word. Uh, basically, he has been symptom-free as of yesterday, and they say he's day-to-day. My guess is he could either be back for game two or – um, or he just misses game two and he probably comes back for game three. Okay. I, I do not imagine him being out for game three. Game two, I'd say it's still up in the air. Game three, I doubt it. Okay. 
No, that's, but, I mean, that's crucial. He's their leader. It'd be yeah. really nice to be able to have him in the building. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think it says a lot about the Suns, uh, just how they've grown as a team with Chris Paul being in the building, being able to get some crucial wins while when he's not available, when he's not there. Like Devin Booker, he's taken the next step into being a face of the franchise player for the Suns team. Uh, so. Mean- Chris Paul going to the Suns might be the best thing they ever did because you may not know this. At the beginning of the year, or the end of last year, whatever it was, a lot of talk about trading Devin Booker because he wasn't happy with, you know, being on a losing team all the time. Yeah, yeah, I actually do remember that, and I kind of felt bad because the Suns were that team that was, like, catching fire in the bubble. I think they actually won every single game in the bubble, but they still missed the playoffs. And they're like, yeah, it looks like Devin Booker might not come back. I'm like, dang. And then I, and then I remember hearing Chris Paul was actually going to go there. I'm like, man, I'm excited for this team. I was excited for this team as soon as I learned Chris Paul was going there. Uh, did I anticipate this playoff run? No, I did not. But yeah, it, the Sun. I don't understand how anyone could root against the Suns team unless they are playing your team. Like I can understand well, Clippers that- fans. That and Jay Crowder. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I I get Jay Crowder. I J, I get Jay Crowder. I feel like every <laughs> every team needs that quote unquote Lance Stevenson type player, the player oh that everyone gosh. just the, man, the player that you're everyone the, only a Pacers fan would say that Lance <laughs> Stevenson type player. Like everyone else will say like Draymond Green or or Dennis Rodman or something like that. Only a Pacers fan will say everyone needs a Lance Stevenson. <laughs> well, I mean, you're exactly right. You know, you got Crowder, you got, uh, you know, uh, Crowder, Stevenson, Draymond Green. I mean, yeah, th- those players, they have their role. They have their value. I don't necessarily like Crowder either. I don't know how he's as good at shooting threes as he is, but uh, I mean, but I mean, so what do you what do you what do you think of this series though? What I mean, obviously uh, Kawhi Kawhi might come back. I don't I don't know if he's out for the rest of the year or not. But I doubt Kawhi returns. If I'm being honest, it sounds like there's a lot of hiding this, like because they have not they they just say it's a leg injury. They're not saying any specifics on it they said it could be an acl and it's like i think the clippers just don't want it out that it's an acl tear i think it's an acl tear and i think the clippers are just they don't want that to be out into the public Mm. and so i i don't anticipate Kawhi leonard coming back and if chris paul comes back i I think the series is over I think every game is going to be intense. I think it's going to be close for a little bit, but I think the Achilles heel for the Clippers is that they don't finish games particularly well. And I, that's the thing about the Suns. They do finish games really well because they have an identity of what they want to do. I mean, it's, it's funny of you to say they don't finish games well after coming back from 25 down to get to here. <laughs> I mean, they they had a couple of games early on that they could not come back and or they would have leads and they just couldn't, you know, 
put teams away and whatnot, but mm-hmm. the the Clippers don't necessarily have the best reputation. Okay, they they have they do have a couple of glimpses and whatnot, but their reputation as of right now does not particularly bode well for them. But yeah, I, I, if I were to give a prediction. I'd probably say five, max three, or no, not max three, max six. I don't know. I was thinking a multiple of three, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, a max game six, I really think it's game five. Gentleman sweep. I think Clippers probably take one when it's back at their home court, or maybe they take game two if Chris Paul isn't there. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna say six just because um some of these teams have surprised me and Clippers being one of them. I, I my gut wants me to say five, but I'm gonna say six because I think Clippers might find a way to pull out two. They weren't they weren't far like it wasn't like a blowout yesterday. Like there oh, was no, never, yesterday was a great game. There there was there was never a point where it felt like the Clippers we're just out of it until the very end. Um, and so I'll say six, um, but I'm, I'm waiting for Paul George to come crashing back down to, to earth here. He's, he's one of the more inconsistent guys and he's had a, a little stretch here. Very, very good games. And I don't think that's going to hold up for the, the whole series. He's going back to Indiana, Paul George, man. <laughs> Where he still nope. doesn't make the clutch shot, though. <laughs> well, I don't really think he had that much opportunity, you know, before his leg injury. Yeah. Now, granted, he had plenty of those opportunities after the leg injury that I know <laughs> he missed. But before the leg injury, he was he was really consistent. And he was really good for the Pacers. And I think Paul George is finally – He's finally the number one again, and I think he's kind of like stepping back up to that role or whatnot. So I think he's elevating his play because of that. Mm. Um, Bucks and Hawks, what do you think? Uh, I, I really don't know because, like, I feel like the Bucks have just been – they're the better team. They're the championship team. But they've been so inconsistent for how good they've been. Like, they had so many bad performances against the Nets. I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta takes one, maybe two. I'll give Atlanta the benefit of the doubt. I'll give Atlanta two wins. And then I think the Bucks kind of stop fooling around and end them in game six. I'm going to say gentleman sweep, although everything in me wants to say just a sweep. See, if the Hawks, not the Hawks, if the Bucks were more consistent, I would be inclined to say that. But the thing is, the Bucks have just not been that consistent. I think, here's I, what I, if, I think I the, I think the Bucks get out of this net series and that with a new level of confidence. And I think, and I think, the Nets are where all the pressure was, and now they're with the Hawks. I think the pressure is gone, and the role players play better. Maybe, but at the same time, I don't know if I'm getting thirty-eight from Middleton or if I'm getting eight from Middleton. I mean, yeah, but the 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 bench is also deeper. 
well, there are a lot of players that ended up not playing there down the stretch against the Nets. Uh, you know, Bobby Portis and um, oh, I'm blanking on Jeff Teague. Um, guys that could come in and make a positive impact against the Hawks, um, but just didn't play versus the Nets. So I think I think with the with the deep bench and the and the ability, I think I think it, I don't think it's going to be much of a contest, especially if especially. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton on Trey Young is going to be a tough matchup for him. I mean, and Giannis is going to make it tough on anybody inside. Yeah, but I, I heard Trey Young was going to get an impossible matchup last series, but he came through there, so. Well, kind of. He went, what, 5 of 23 in game set. So they won, but it wasn't like it was his doing. I mean, Trey Young had a couple of clutch parking lot threes in that game. I mean, <laughs> 5 of 23, Ben. 5 of 23. Actually, you know, he didn't lead his team in scoring. I forgot. So I don't know who led the team in scoring, but yeah, it was someone Herder or something. Yeah. But I yeah. guess that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um so that's the playoffs. We had NBA awards. We talked about them a little bit. Jokic got MVP. Uh Tom Thibodeau got coach of the year with the Knicks, although I would say some would probably argue Nate McMillan probably deserved that down in Atlanta. Um, I'd say that. Well, I know he would. Um, the <laughs> um, I have attachment issues, okay? <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> um, let's see, what else is there? Sixth man of the year went to Jordan Clarkson in Utah. Uh, defensive player of the year went to Gobert in Utah. Um. Most improved player went to Julius Randle in the Knicks. Um, what else is there? What am I missing, Ben? Uh, Exec- executive of the year went to James Jones in Phoenix. They have an executive of the year? Yeah. Does the NFL have that? Maybe. I don't know for sure. I think that's I think that's all there is. Um the Pacers did fire however you say his name and they are on the coaching search. Um LeBron is switching numbers from 23 to 6 next year. Believe it or not, I actually like that. Like, no, tell me why. Well, when my true, true mollusk of hate for LeBron James first occurred, he was wearing that number six jersey. Oh, my And it's gosh. only fitting that that is what he, you know, ends his career on. Oh, I like ben. Oh, Ben. Yeah. So I like to switch to six and and, and not to mention, I think 
Well, he made a name for himself. Like he made a name for himself back in Cleveland, but like I don't know. LeBron hasn't made uh, LeBron hasn't done a whole lot to make a name for himself. I don't know about that. (laughs) But like when he became the villain, when he became like truly the face of the NBA, it was when he was wearing number six in Miami. I mean, I mean, granted, I was probably not even had no care in the world of the NBA back when he was in Cleveland in the first stint. But like, I feel like everyone cared about the NBA when LeBron went to Miami and it was all about LeBron. I don't think the NBA was quite all about LeBron when he was still in Cleveland. Um, I, I guess I can kind of see that LeBron was still very, very, uh, popular in the, in that first Cleveland stint. Yeah, I, I don't – I think he was kind of sharing it, though. I think Kobe Bryant was still big. At that Kobe point. was Kobe was still very big. He was winning championships those couple of years before the, he went to the Heat. Yeah. So, and then yeah, once he goes that. to Miami, it's LeBron's kind of startup. Yeah. Um, Stan Van Gundy is out after one year in New Orleans, so that's not the coach of the future for Zion. Uh, I never knew why he got hired in the first place. Um, the <laughs> Wizards and Coach Scott Brooks parted ways. Um, GM Donnie Nelson and the Mavericks parted ways, which apparently reportedly Luca is very upset about. Um, and then Rick Carlisle also is parting ways as coach of the Mavericks. Um, so the report right now – oh, sorry, LaMelo Ball won Rookie of the Year. I just saw that. Um, but the story here, Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson are reportedly not happy in Dallas and New Orleans. Well, what was that? I think there was a story about how like Mavericks players have been, I, I don't know the whole story. Maybe you can shed some light on it here about how Mavericks players are, not necessarily treated the best. And Mark Cuban essentially came out and said that was BS. I haven't heard. Uh, But, but, you know, shortly after, um, shortly after that, you know, the, the GM gets fired, the coach gets fired. Let me see. The coach left. I want to make that clear. The the coach, the coach decided to leave. He was not fired. I think the GM, was kind of given hey, you can either leave or or we're gonna fire you. <laughs> okay. Um let me see if I can find it. While Ben looks, Blazers and Coach Terry Stotts also parted ways, and so did the Magic and Coach Steve Clifford. He also had Brad Stevens' first move as front office executive of Boston Celtics. They traded Kimba Walker, the number 16 pick this year, and a future 2025 second-round pick to Oklahoma City for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second pick. So now the Thunder have three picks in the draft this year. Boston was able to offload $73 million owed to Kimba Walker uh, before Tatum and Brown's extensions kick in. 
Um, and the Thunder will work on what's next with Walker as they did with Chris Paul, Carmelo, and Al Horford. Al Horford returns to the Celtics. Um, uh, he was there a few years ago. He was a he was a leader of the team, and he's a solid uh, big guy, although aging, uh, to pair with Tatum and Brown. Okay, so so apparently the story that I found that Mark. Okay, so according to the report, things between Luca and Rick. Uh, okay, how do you say Carla? Yeah, things between Luca and Rick Carlisle were reportedly going south. And Mark Cuban had retweeted the article that The Athletic posted on that and called it BS. And then later that, like a day or two later, Rick Carlisle gets fired. Or basically, he wasn't fired. He left. Left. Gosh, Ben, we are are journalists. Have some integrity. I'm sure. I'm sure he was actually, you know, quote unquote, fired. Just told the to leave. No, the I'm telling you, I think that's what happened with the GM. I think the GM was fired, but was told to leave, and he left. Rick Carlisle, Mark Cuban did not know that Rick Carlisle was leaving. Rick Carlisle went up and quit. All right. So the exact tweet that um, Mark Cuban called BS was. Bob Volgress has been the most influential voice in the Mavs front office since being hired, initiating tra- transactions, uh, dictating rotations, and even frustrating Luca. There are internal fears how it could affect Luca's future. So Bob Volgress apparently has overstepped his bounds in the front office having influence of what goes on on the court and Mark Cuban had to call it BS and from what I've heard this is that the article from The Athletic is actually pretty well sourced so it is two days later Longtime Maverick GM Donnie Nelson leaves. Three days later, uh, Rick uh, Carlisle is out as head coach. So, yeah, all this strains back when that article by The Athletic uh, was published. Either way, the bottom line is we got a mess. Yeah. What are we, we going to do to fix it with Luca and Zion? Because honestly, Luca may beat Zion to it if he's not happy, but Zion, I think, essentially could be the first player ever to not sign the Supermax with the team that drafted him because he's got so much money coming in from other deals um, that he isn't reliant on that first big contract um, to incentivize him to stay with the team if he's not happy with where he's at. Um, so Zion could be out here in the next year or two. Luca could be out in the next year or two, um, or the next year. Try to remember how long he's been in the league, but um, 
I mean, what I, I don't know. What do you what do you make of all of this? I don't know. It, it's still tough to judge just because that's, you know, a little bit down the road still. And it's like, well, how do you process this? What is they thinking? Like, are the because like from what I heard on the Zion situation, it's more or less his family, not him. But I'm well, sure his family is just speaking for him to make. I was going to say his family. I'm sure his family's not just going to come out and start saying things for, like just to be upset. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, there's so many things that happen behind closed doors that you can't get the full story, but you can only guess at. And so uh, these aren't easy situations to deal with, but it seems like. Unless you're like, I don't shoot, I don't even know what to really say, because like I feel like every organization has some type of player who has been unhappy with their team within the last five years. Hmm. I mean, it's it's uh, human relations management, whatever. Yeah. So. I don't know what it is. I don't know if these players just keep on saying, oh, I'm not happy because we're not winning titles or whatnot. But, yeah, something's got to give. It feels like every year we have a couple players saying, I'm not happy here because X, Y, and Z. And I don't think any team is immune from it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm interested to see because Luca and Zion, I mean, those are (laughs) – those are the two huge talents that are super young coming up in the league. And if they get, I mean, it would be precedent setting if they ended up on a contender, uh, you know, within the first four years of their career and made a career out of that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a great direction for the NBA because like, you know, you get, rookies being drafted to bad teams. They play about three or four years and then they just use their brand to get a whole bunch of money. And then they just go play for like the Lakers or the Knicks or something like that. Something where it's going to help their brand. And well, uh, uh, yeah, there's a very like Zion's the rare, like Zion's the only real case where, he got a hundred and some million dollar deal when he got drafted. Most players don't get that. So most players I think will still stick with the take of my super max. I'll be here for six or seven years and see where we're at from the draft. Just because um, that's, you know, the first big, big payday uh, and players want to take advantage of it. Like teams, teams that draft a player can offer so much more in that first initial contract after the first three or four years that it's near impossible to turn down Zion. I just say is the case because he's got so much money from deals, but he's, you know, him and LeBron, he's a, he's got the biggest deal since LeBron, like not those deals don't come around very often for players. And and I get that, but how, how much longer are players going to be like, you know what? I'd rather play for a contender than get a super max deal. Cause I'm still going to get a good 
good contract. You know, here, Ben, though, this is the fight, though, because if, if they stayed on the team, we'd say, oh, they're just in it for the money. They don't really care about winning. And if they leave to go win, then we say, oh, they don't care about loyalty to the team. They should just take their money and be happy. <laughs> hey, I'm all about loyalty, okay? I already know what side of the fight I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> You're not doing any favors by sitting on the fence, Bo. Oh my goodness! No, I'm I'm full on the side of let's go see if we can win. Oh, and I'm I'm full on the side of let's go see if we can win, and it's up to these organizations to prove to us that we can do it there. And that's why Bo and I have a debate show. <laughs> no, but, no, but I, I honestly though I think it's up to the organizations to prove. This is an opportunity for you. You should play here. I don't know what's wrong with that. Yeah, I I, I get that. I really that, that puts the that puts the pressure on the organization to continuously improve. Yeah, and here's the thing. I feel like an organization is only as good as how they perform. You know, it's like I feel like all of these organizations have like some sort of like dirty laundry and whatnot. And it, all that gets revealed when they're losing, but when they're winning, it's like, Oh yeah, everything's going great, great and whatnot. And then when they lose, it's like, Oh yeah. Uh, I didn't like this guy. This guy was, you know, a jerk, you know, it's like all these terrible stories come out. But when like, even in golden state, you know, when Kevin Durant finally left, you know, all those stories started leaking, but you didn't hear anything when they were winning titles. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, did you have anything on Brad Stevens first move with Kimball Walker? Uh, on trading Kimball Walker. Uh, from what I heard, it, it, it's not a, or it's a good move for the Celtics. Um, they already have a couple of good pieces there and they're just kind of, they're not looking to do a total rebuild, but they're looking to trying to improve on other places, get younger, get more talented and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, also the all NBA teams was the last thing in the NBA. All NBA teams came out. Uh, first team is Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, and Joker. Second team is Dame, CP3, Julius Randle, LeBron, and Embiid. And third team is Kyrie, Beal, Butler, Paul George, and Go Bear. Uh, one notable name missing here. Kevin Durant. I'd say there's two notable names missing, but what's the other one? Chris Paul. I literally I said it second team. He was second team. Oh, okay. I missed that. <laughs> I was I was listening for him. I thought for sure he'd probably be third team. So like that's what I was really listening for, but no, but Kyrie made third team. Durant didn't make any team. No, Kyrie's a joke. He should not be on the three. No, I mean, Kyrie's a good player. I just don't understand. Like, when he I'm not... plays and doesn't miss games due to birthday parties. Ben, so <laughs> for each team, you have to pick two guards and two forwards and a center. So Joker, Embiid, Gobert. Not, I don't have much of an argument there. Those are probably the three best centers in the league. Um, forwards, you got Kawhi and Giannis, you got LeBron and Julius Randle, and you got Jimmy Butler and Paul George, and you don't have Kevin Durant. Now I get Durant missed time, 
But Embiid missed time, and he's on second team. LeBron missed time, and he's on second team. Uh, Kyrie missed time. He's on third team. So I'm not sure. Kawhi missed time. He's on first team. I'm not sure what the what the formula is here. Also, Anthony Davis didn't make it, but he missed way more time than even LeBron did. So that's some, you know, you can somewhat understand. And he didn't have a great year. But I am surprised that Kevin Durant didn't make it, especially after watching those performances in the playoffs. And you go, this guy's clearly the best guy on this team. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you want to know what I literally just realized? Kevin Durant is actually, like, the most likable player on his team. Yeah, and it's sad. Yeah, I'm going to be like, <laughs> for as much hate as Kevin Durant gets. I mean, like, Blake Blake Griffin might be more likable. Uh, I don't know. Maybe more, maybe more so because he's irrelevant, but like. Yeah, uh, as far as as far as superstars go, you mean Durant's, yeah. you know. Yeah. But- Yep. It's a sad world there down in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> moving over to the NFL real quick. We only got a few headlines over here, Ben. Uh, oh, I, I can just wait for this. Uh, well, we got, we'll start off with a small one. Julio oh. Jones got traded to Tennessee. Oh, that was uh, the one I was anticipating. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Titans – Acquire Julio Jones in a 2023 sixth round pick. The Falcons get a 2022 second and a 2023 fourth. This would lead me to instantaneously explode in frustration with Chris Ballard and the Indianapolis Colts. And I am sick and tired of it. Did you honestly believe? Sorry to my, sorry, sorry to my neighbors. Ben, go ahead with your take. <laughs> Did you honestly believe the Colts were getting Julio Jones? Like, it's I, little... I thought, okay, here's, I wasn't holding my breath for it, but I knew that I would be frustrated if we didn't get him when I, because I knew what the compensation was going to be around. And I knew I would be livid if we ended up having to play him twice a year. Yeah, uh, look, no question that Tennessee's offense is dynamic. However, Colts have the superior offensive line. I think the Colts' defense is better than Tennessee, and I still like the Colts to win this division. And I, the last time Tennessee swept Indianapolis was, I think, in the 2002 season. Like, you know what? Hey, Ben, when was the last time that Tennessee had Julio Jones, AJ Brown, and Derrick Henry? Look, I mean, t- Tennessee has had some good teams, okay? No, I mean, they have not. Do not lie. Uh, they went to the AFC Championship game two years ago. That wasn't a great team. The teams ahead of them underachieved. Oh, okay. Point it, like, I think we're overvaluing, like, believe it or not, believe it or not, I think we're overvaluing the Tennessee Titans based on the um, acquisition of Julio Jones. 
Like, I don't know. It, it's uh, Julio Jones is a good player. He does give Ryan Tannehill another great option on the outside. But I feel like there's just going to be so much more that goes into a game, and Julio Jones is not going to – he doesn't make the Titans second-place favorites to first-place favorites. I think the Titans are still favored to go in second place. I'll tell you why you're wrong, Ben. You know what the – the I'll say here's where Julio Jones hurts the Titans. This is legitimate, legitimate point, so I want you to pay attention. Okay. Here's where Julio Jones hurts the Titans. The defense might not get enough rest because they're going to be scoring touchdowns so fast, the defense is going to be on the field the whole game. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to disagree. In fact, you know, you know, bold claim, bold claim. I think Julio Jones has a down year. Not a chance, Ben. I, I think he has a down year. I mean, we, we see it all the time. Very rarely does a player go to a different team and act play better. Like, it doesn't happen a whole lot. Yeah. yeah I mean, especially not with all time greats. Randy Moss was a disaster in New England. It ended as a disaster in New England. Oh, my gosh. Ben, that, <laughs> I'm going to flip out on you. But, like, the- Herschel Walker, when he got traded to the Vikings. He didn't do anything in Minnesota. Emmett ben, Smith to the Cardinals. He didn't do ben, anything. Ben, there. these are all things before my time. They're irrelevant because of <laughs> that. Um, the the <laughs> Julio Jones with AJ Brown on the other side and Derrick Henry in the backfield. That is the biggest, most physical set of skill players in the entire league. Look. Honestly, I I still probably prefer the Colts backfield over that. I mean, now, as a he, whole, as a whole, I can see that. As a if you get Mac Taylor and Hines and in Tennessee, you basically have Derrick Henry. Yeah, but no one on the Colts is running like Derrick Henry runs, and no one on the Colts is be like Julio Jones and AJ Brown might be the two most. Physical big receivers in the National Football League. Bro, are you forgetting who DK Metcalf is? No, I'm not. I was I was going to make an exception for Hopkins. But I think A.J. Brown, the physicality and the size all combined, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, I it's tough to put them not at one and two. DK Metcalf doesn't have the size and he's not as physical. All right, all right. But here, here, like here's this, where I'm like concerned. This, I Tennessee, think the Colts. Tennessee is built to be bigger than you and overpower you. But I also think the Colts' defensive line is going to make a nightmare for Ryan Tannehill and they're not going to get opportunities to perform. I think they're going to be okay. You got DeForest Buckner and you got two rookies. I, I think the Colts have a decent defensive line. They were yeah. able, they yeah, have a, I think it's decent. I think you got DeForest Buckner. You got two promising rookies. And they 
brought back a guy named Muhammad. Like he made a couple of big plays no. last year. No, like matter. I think I think the Colts have a good committee on the defensive line to where they keep those guys fresh. I think the Colts have plans to rotate like I think six or seven guys on the defensive front to keep the defensive line fresh and constantly put Ryan Tannehill under duress. And who and who's going to be making the tackles in the in the linebacking core outside of Darius Leonard? Darius Leonard doesn't need any help. I mean, Ben, he doesn't. Ben, he, he single-handedly beat Houston two times last year. So I mean, Ben, who else is there? I'm, I'm sure some undrafted free agent that the Colts picked up and is going to be the next big star. Oh my gosh, who's in the who's in the secondary that's going to guard Julio Jones and AJ Brown? Uh, Blackman, Moore. Uh, I give Kenny Moore an okay chance. No one else has a chance. Hey, hey, hey! There are ninety guys on the Colts roster, and and lot... none of them can guard Julio Jones or AJ Brown. Hey, I'm sure we're going to get an undrafted rookie who oh my is going yeah. to be the next I tell you what, all these undrafted guys, there's a reason they're undrafted. All these undrafted guys, they are prime talent. That's why no one wanted them. Hey, Chris Ballard has made a living getting these undrafted players on our roster. Uh, can we forget Jeff Saturday was undrafted. Dallas Clark was undrafted. That was not Chris Ballard. Are you out of your mind? I know it wasn't Chris Ballard, but don't undervalue undrafted players. Plenty of undrafted players are the next superstar. Oh, my gosh, Ben. <sighs> the Colts are going to be fine. I'm sick of your plucky attitude. Look, Ballard has never given me a reason to say, wow, Ballard. You really made that move. That was a terrible choice. You know what Ballard did? You know, Ballard did give me a reason. I'm going to see how they do this year. Ballard's on the hot seat for me, depending on how this goes. You're nuts if you're thinking you're going to put Ballard on the hot seat. He's on the hot seat. I'm sick of his bull crap. The man has made the playoffs two of the three years with three different quarterbacks. And I want Super Bowls. It's the man had to recover from his all time talented quarterback leaving days before the season started. And I want Super Bowls. Oh my goodness. And not to mention, from what I'm hearing out of Colts camp, Carson Wentz is back. Like, no, the I have no Car- doubt. I am, I got full confidence in Carson Wentz. I'm just saying, hey, we left last year and we said, we need a quarterback and a few more pieces, and we got a quarterback and nothing. That's what we did this offseason. A quarterback, a new defensive line, and we replaced uh, Costanzo with Eric Fisher. And we didn't get a receiver, and we didn't get a tight end, and we look, didn't get a secondary, and we didn't look, get a linebacker. Look, 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 look. We didn't we, – having Julio – you go out and get a guy like Julio. Like Julio's a guy. Even if, if we you had, don't, if, even we had, even if, it, if we would have traded for Julio, I'd be talking about Super Bowls right now. Look, 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 look. Instead of talking about how we're going to get our butts kicked twice a year by Tennessee. 
Oh, please, we're going to split, okay? We always split with Tennessee. Either we sweep Tennessee or we split with Tennessee. There's no middle ground. But it's anyway. a new year, Ben. It's a new year. But anyway, anyway, Bo, I understand in terms if Julio is available, even if you don't need him, you go out and get him. But here's the thing. A second and a I, fourth. I don't think the Colts needed Julio. They desperately needed Julio. No, no. Michael Pittman's going to do fantastic oh, as the two. 500 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> hey, he just. Julio missed- Jones wakes up and already has that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, Michael Pittman missed some time and he was still a rookie with a quarterback. Julio Jones is was- one game for that. <laughs> Okay, just Michael Pittman at the two and Paris Campbell in the slot. So he can get hurt in the first quarter of the first game again and be out for the year? <laughs> Look, and then that's when Zach Pascal steps up. I mean. Oh, my. <laughs> the guy who wouldn't be on another roster. I can't wait to watch him play again. Hey, he had a couple of good moments last year. Get out of here, Ben. You are delusional. <laughs> No, I just trust in Ballard, okay? I always trust in Ballard. Give us a salute. I try to trust in Ballard. I trust in Ballard for, what, four years now. I am sick of his crap. And he – well, I mean, hey, hey, hey. Do you want to bring Grigson back? I mean, do you really want that? That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying be better. (laughs) Well, because Grigson went out and got players – he went out and got Trent Richardson. Yeah, he brought went out and Andre. got bad ones. He went out and got bad ones. Yeah, he went and got Andre Johnson, a big name. Hakeem Nix. Uh, uh, okay, I, I like the Frank Gore pick, but it wasn't special. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ben. I mean, Bradshaw was good, but we he just kept need, on getting we hurt. Need some- we need some players to leave Kansas City because that's apparently the only guys we'll go out and get are the guys that Ballard put in Kansas City before he got here. I mean, I'm not going to lie, though. I wouldn't mind if we got Eric Berry. I know he's been out of the league for a year or two, but he's still a heck of a player. And he'd be nice because we have no secondary. Blackman <laughs> is going to light it up, okay? Second year. Blackman's going to be the new Ed Reed. Oh, my, you fool. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Okay, Devontae Adams and David Bakhtiari both said that they have Rodgers back in a press conference. I mean... I, I mean, I feel like it's already kind of been established that that's what their position was because they obviously have missed. Uh, they missed what? Mand- no, did they miss mandatory camp? Uh, I don't know if Bakhtiari did, but I know Adams and the whole receivers <laughs> stayed out. I don't know if they did out of camp, but they were. They, they missed. At least. Yeah, they missed OTAs, which is optional. Yeah. I don't know if they uh, stayed out for mandatory mini camp. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're really surprised with that news coming out. But the, um, Packers, the Packers just needed 
I'm sticking with my point. They need to cut the GM and get rid of Aaron Rodgers. I'm not having that conversation again. You're wrong. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Cover of Madden. Um, Listen up, folks. This might be the first time we agree on something all night. (laughs) Madden said that they had two goats for their cover. Now, we were going in this cover, and it's like, who's going to be on the cover? And I thought... Uh, I probably my first choice is probably Aaron Rodgers, although I understand there's some there's some uh, hesitancy given that we're not sure if he's going to be in a Packers jersey or a Broncos jersey or whatever next year. Um, I think it'd be fine if you just put him in a Packers jersey. It's a it's an iconic brand of the league. He's been there for 16 years. It's not like anyone's going to think it's weird. Um, and it's not like it happened uh, 10 years ago. What happened 10 years ago? 12 years ago, I guess. Brett Favre got put on Madden cover as a Packer, went to the Jets that year. Oh, yeah. So who cares? Yeah. Um, the Then you say, well, if it's not going to be Rodgers, who's it going to be? And you, you start thinking and you go in through it and you're, mm, well, maybe Josh Allen. You know, Bill's had a good year. Uh, maybe Derrick Henry. Like he, had, he you know, had 2,000 yards or whatever. Um, you know, there's a few options here, and then and then Madden says we got two goats for the cover, and you go goats. Well, I know, I know, there's this consensus that Tom Brady's the goat, so I'm going to assume he's one of them, no matter how wrong people may be about that. Um, but I'll assume Brady's one of them, which is disappointing because why? And um. But who's the other goat going to be? And then I thought, well, maybe they did get Rodgers. Like Rodgers been around a long time. He'll be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Everyone knows how great he is. And um, who's who is this other goat going to be? Um, and it turns out it's Mahomes. And so you got Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes on the cover. Uh, just to remind some folks, Tom Brady was the cover of eighteen. Patrick Mahomes was the cover of twenty. And now they're both going to be the cover of 22. And why? What's the point? I don't get it. Ben, enlighten me. I mean, I don't get it either. Like, I thought it was a complete disrespect to the players who performed really well this season. I mean. I mean, don't get me wrong. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes did have good years. It's not like they played. They had good postseasons. If we remember back to their regular seasons. Oh, Patrick Mahomes had a very good. Patrick Mahomes was. It was a a down year from. Patrick Mahomes was almost MVP. (laughs) He was third for MVP in voting, if you do recall. Um, Third for third for MVP. That's. that's a good year. But that's, I, I just, that's, I, you know, that's I better remember, than all but two guys. <laughs> I remember there were a lot of games last year where I was just like, the Chiefs are just barely winning these games. They barely winning against teams they should be blowing out. And essentially, all it was was we're not going to go out. We're going to do enough to win and save our energy for the postseason, which is fine. And then Tom, Tom Brady forgot what down it was. And so he didn't have a good regular season, um, <laughs> but they hey, both had, they make, both had, don't good, make fun of the elderly Ben. Hey, <laughs> but they both had good postseasons. Okay. They both had good postseason, but I'm just like, okay. So when you're picking a Madden cover, you tend to like want someone who's flashy and someone who's fan favorite. So, in my mind, I'm like, okay, it's got to be Derrick Henry this year. You know, all over Twitter, 
you know, everyone talks about Derrick Henry and, you know, you see highlights of what he could do. It's like, oh, he's a monster. He deserves to be on cover. So I was on board with Derrick Henry being mad at cover. I thought that was the clear, easy choice. Uh, and then I probably would put Rodgers. I mean, he was league MVP, but I'm not surprised. Aaron you know. Donald was defensive player of the year again. Okay, uh, Aaron Donald. Like, that was totally stolen from D- T.J. Watt. Like, uh, it was not. stolen from T.J. Watt. I'm not getting I'm just saying he got the award. He's a fan favorite. He could make it on the cover. Okay. He, and, okay, and, that is fair. That is and, fair. And it would it would set a precedent. I mean, when was the last time? I know Ray Lewis was on the cover of 05, but when was the last time? Was that the last time a defensive player was the cover of Madden? Sherman. Sherman got it. I must have missed uh, that year. In 15. Yeah, I missed that year. Um, uh, uh, Paul Malu, uh, if you remember him and Larry getting it. One oh, year. yeah, he split it with an offensive player. Which, honestly, that I actually liked. You know. You took two guys from the Super Bowl and the big personalities and you and you put them on the. Yeah, and it wasn't just your generic, oh, quarterback, greatest ever. Like, I don't know. It's just. Mahomes and Brady have already been on the cover. And now I very, feel like. Very, very recently. Yeah, very, <laughs> very recently. Everyone already kind of has this idea of who they are as players. Hey, if anything, if anything, it's continuing the trend like Madden's just a recycled game that's mediocre. Yeah. Now now they're recycling their covers. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, because like it's also a good, it's also good. It's almost like a little bit of a reward or it's a little bit of promoting. You're not going to promote Patrick Mahomes and Brady. In fact, you're going to overdo it, which I think. This was the straw that broke the camel's back of overdoing the promotion of Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Like I, I, once I saw it was them two, I'm like, okay, I'm exhausted of these two. I don't want to hear about these two anymore. I will say, I still like Patrick Mahomes more than Tom Brady, though. Well, I mean, question here. It's the like the question from the media perspective. Okay, can we talk about someone else other than Brady Mahomes? Like they're good. Okay. I don't need to hear about that. We, we can talk about the Cowboys. <laughs> oh dear Lord. But like like you said, let's put Josh Allen on the cover. Let's put Aaron Rodgers on the cover. Let's put Derrick Henry. Shoot. Stephon Diggs. Stephon yeah, I would have loved Stephon Diggs on the cover. Let's change it up. Let's reward Aaron some- Donald. Let's reward someone else for having a good year as though just every year giving it to Brady or Mahomes. Yeah. Or like Russell Wilson, he would have been a good choice for the cover. Well, he didn't have a very good second half of the year. I mean, it's still he he's still gonna sell Madden covers. I mean, it's Russell Wilson. Yeah. Hopkins. Hopkins. Uh, dude, I, can, I, I, yeah, I can already see it now. Hopkins on the Madden cover making that huge, you know, replaying that catch and whatnot that he yeah, had they against just the got, Bills. They just they got him and then the he's got hands all around the ball. Yeah, like EA, you know, we, we're both available if you want to hire us on on you know how to make this game better. I am you know, extra we, available. Yeah, yeah. Start starting with you know your cover and whatnot. 
Yeah. And then and then we can get into the logistics of the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> from what I have heard from beta players that they have completely revamped franchise mode in 22. Which, yes, which is about freaking time. Now, from what I'm also hearing, gameplay has been completely recycled from 21. But I haven't played, I haven't played 21 on principle. Okay. Is but, that good or bad though? Uh, it's bad. Oh, nuts. Yeah. EA, stop giving us piles. But, but of I actually think they spent all their time revamping franchise mode, which I'm not going to complain about that because it it's awful. It's serving serving us crap and calling it food. Yeah. Um that's it for the NFL moving over. We've got two headlines here. One, Djokovic rallies to defeat four-time defending champ Nadal at the French Open. Uh, so Djokovic will win the French Open, 19th major title. He is one behind Nadal and Federer. This is crazy to me. The I don't know if anyone else, because I don't pay attention to tennis, but the, what I do know oh, is yeah, that... Oh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but what I do know is that Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic are all playing right now, and Federer and Nadal are the two leaders all-time with 20 titles, and Djokovic is one behind them with 19 now. They're all playing at the same time. Is there is there any other sport, any other time where it's like this is like all the all time greats are playing right now against each other? I I, do, I don't know. Okay. Anyway. I, I I I literally have no. <laughs> I literally have no idea when it comes to tennis of what anything is being talked about. Okay. Well, and then. This was this is like just bizarre news. Um, soccer. So this, we're talking about soccer, Ben. Um, Thanks for the heads up. Denmark's Christian Eriksen, age 29, collapsed during the Euro 2020 game, uh, and the game was uh, postponed. They were playing against Finland. He was receiving CPR. He was stabilized. He was resuscitated after suffering cardiac arrest when he collapsed. He was gone before the resuscitation, as in dead. And they did one defibrillator and brought him back. This was all middle of the match, age 29. This is one of the biggest soccer players in the world. Collapses during the match from cardiac arrest, apparently. is And the broadcast never went away. They showed this all on TV. Him, oh, shoot. Them going out there, giving him CPR, doing the defibrillator, the whole deal was on TV. They got him stabilized. He went into the ambulance, went to the hospital. I think he's doing better now. But I like this is just age 29 and a soccer player. Like, this is the healthiest of the healthy, age 29, going into cardiac arrest during a soccer game. Is yeah, and like, yeah, in soccer, you're running the entire time. Like, yeah. You, you probably have one of the healthier hearts in like all of sports. So that, that is kind of shocking to me. Yeah, it was, I mean, that's crazy. One of the craziest things ever happened, I think probably. Um, That, I mean, Ben, do you have anything else? I do not. Uh, NASCAR, Kyle Larson has won, I think three or four in a row. So. I don't think I can't remember the last time that was done in NASCAR, but I would have no idea. Um, the guy's uh, racing outside of his mind. 
Um, that's going to do it for this episode of Run Up the Score. So, you know the drill. Or if you're new here, you don't, but you're going to hear it now. You go into the show notes, you click on the link. That link takes you everywhere. Everywhere. It takes you. You can go to our social media, follow us along. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I believe. And you can go uh, send us an email. Uh, let us know your thoughts. What do you want to hear? This, this, and that. It also works as a major tool if you say, hey, I have friends who like sports and I like this show and I think my friends would like it. And you say, hey, check out this link. And then they can pick like, you know, there's different podcast listening platforms. So if they want Apple Podcasts, if that's how they listen, they just click the one that says Apple Podcasts and it takes them to our show. If they do Spotify, they click the one that says Spotify and it takes it to our show. I'm over explaining it, but I find the need to do that sometimes. Um, basically, oh. basically they can pick whatever they want and go listen to the show what, on whatever platform they want. All you have to do is send them that link. So make sure to utilize that link. Make sure also to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps out with the algorithm, helps us get more listeners, and it helps us out as a whole. Be a friend, tell a friend, all that good jazz. Ben, what were, what's, uh, what's your thing? Yeah, just like breaking news as the show's being recorded, Vikings rookie Jalen type. Timon shot four times. Uh, expected what? to have a expected to have a full recovery, but yeah, a Vikings what? a Vikings rookie was shot four times in DC. What? That's crazy. Will not need surgery. X-rays came back negative. Boy, what a lucky man he is! I mean, it's unfortunate he got shot four times, but it could have been a <laughs> lot worse. <laughs> Gosh, man. oh, how lucky of him to get shot four times! <laughs> well, it's lucky that you know he, X-rays came back negative, and he doesn't need surgery. Are you like that? Is <laughs> I, I will say that is pretty, that's pretty incredible. Get shot four times and not need anything. And be fine and make a full recovery. Man, what situation? Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. That's crazy. Okay, well, on that note, unless Ben's going to hit me with something else unbelievable. <laughs> oh, Aaron Rodgers got <laughs> traded. Of what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, he's lying, folks. Um, just in case you're listening to this late, he wasn't traded tonight, at least. Um, the. <laughs> It's going to break after we get off. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, so that's what she said. Um, the, <laughs> but the, <laughs> that's going to do it. Show. That's going to do it for us here. At Run up the score. I hope you stick around long enough for that one. That's what she said. So that's going to be, that's going to do it. And we'll see you on the next one. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs>